Family means something different to everyone. No family is perfect. And in every family that you feel is terrible, if you look, you can always find one shining star. They say you can't choose your family, and that's true. But you can choose how you raise your family. Discipline and rewards, hugs and being disappointed, it's all part of being a family, and wisdom tells you which is called for. Over the next 30 minutes, I thought I would tell you how we did it. It wasn't always easy, and we made mistakes. But for us, nothing was ever as fulfilling as family. All right, let's do it. Making plans with the boys. I'm gonna hit the town. Yes, thank you for tuning back into Gen X Talks podcast. I wanted to touch on something a little lighthearted, maybe a little more serious, but nothing political. No, no, nothing with current events of the day. Nope, nope. We're not going to dive into sports and steroids. We're not going to talk about any of those other far-reaching global community things that people sit around the bar and argue about. Nope, I have received a bunch of emails and some small encouraging conversations to talk to you guys about family. Yeah, just something, just something to throw out there. Just something from the old Gipper, something from the dumb mechanic in the middle of the desert. I don't know much about anything, but I can relay some of the stuff I've learned, a lot of them through failure. Yeah, that is my best learning tool, apparently. I learn everything through mistakes. So, what I wanted to remind you of is that uh, Gen X mom and I uh, uh, have had at one point in our lives eight children under the age of 12 all living in this house. Yeah. Gen Z kid was the youngest of that package of eight. And I want to tell you that as parents, you learn quite a bit when you're dealing with an infant and seven other children and you have all of them under the age of 12, and that's what happened to us. So let me tell you uh, first, as far as a sports metaphor goes, you cannot run a man-to-man defense. Mom and a dad cannot run man-to-man defense against an eight-kid offense. There's too many. They go too many different directions. You can't keep track of them. Yeah, it's a tough gig. So I will tell you with great certainty, you will need to run a zone defense. <laughs> You're going to have to find a way to back yourselves in a corner, and you can have the laundry basket over uh, in front of you as defense. You can pick up the broomsticks and put pots and pans on your head, and that's how you're going to begin your day. Yeah, we could just stop the podcast right there. That's all the information you need to know. But I want to go a little deeper. I want to give you guys some clever insight and Let's not pretend this had anything to do with me, all right? Raising eight children, I would love to come in and say, well, it was all me. I was a, I was a concerned, wonderful father who was there 24 hours a day, and I was there for love and discipline, and the children turned out wonderful because of me. 
Well, <laughs> the the family feud buzzer <laughs> would go off. No, that's a strike. Uh, I went to work. Yeah, I was gone. Um, I will tell you, Gen X mom took care of all of this, and she needed to be real organized real fast. When you have that many children, she had to do, if you include myself and her, there was 10 of us. So there's 10 breakfasts, 10 lunches that need to be packed and put in backpacks. Uh, there was uh, 10 dinners need to be made, a small dinner party every night. And in somehow in this mix, uh, she had four different schools to attend to. She had the daily chores of, of being a stay-at-home mom and things that you do with that, uh, which was her choice, and she loved to death. Um, but you learn some things. Like, number one, when you have four boys and four girls, that's, that was our makeup of eight. And it kind of went, age went from, from, young, from oldest down was boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. That was pretty much the pattern all the way through. And uh, it created a lot of challenges. So we had a boy's bathroom and a girl's bathroom. And Gen X mom, uh, one, of the, one of the utilities that came to mind, she went and bought, I'm going to say it was a plastic shoebox. Maybe it was something else. But imagine a plastic shoebox see-through with a lid. And she bought a bunch of those, eight of them, and she said, okay, uh, here's your toothbrush in a toothbrush holder, here's your, here's your comb, here's your brush, here's your bar of soap in a little soap container, here's your washcloth, here's all your stuff, and your razor and your stuff, you pack it into the bathroom with your towel, and you pack it out when you're done. She bought everybody a different color towel. She knew exactly whose towel was whose, and if your towel was on the floor, she knew it was yours. If someone stole your towel, everybody knew who stole the towel because there was a different color for each person. All right, you starting to get to see the level of organization? <laughs> so coming home from school, she had uh, at the time at the youngest time, but when the when Gen Z kid was a little older, uh, she had eight backpacks to go through, find all the notes and and the uneaten food um, and all of the homework and things the school had sent home. So she had eight snacks waiting at the table. She had a chore list, so the kids would buzz around doing their chores. You had eight kids doing certain amount of chores. Yeah, even when Gen Z kid was younger, when he was I don't know four or five, I think his chore was something simple. You know, like make sure there's a Kleenex box in the living room and make sure the rolls of toilet paper are stacked from the from the laundry room in each bath. There's something simple, but he participated too. Everybody was busy. Everybody was focused and organized. There was a definite structure in our family. Now, this is the part that gets interesting because sometimes people will ask us for advice on raising a child. And it's very, very tough to give advice because children are so different. And I will tell you that in out in radio and TV land, you guys seem to have very cut and dry opinions. There's a whole group of people that will call into these programs and say, you have to do this with every child. This is the way. And every child, yeah, okay, well, that doesn't always fit every child. Then someone comes in, every single child is different, and they need to be raised individually all by themselves with curtailing what you do and what you say to each child. Well, you know, you, you can't do that entirely. Either way, either way is not right or wrong even. You can't say, here's a blanket policy for every child and all eight of you are going to fit the mold because they're different. 
But you also can't say, I'm going to raise eight individual children with eight individual sets of rules because now you're now you have people favoring and competing and how come they get but I don't get. All right. All right. Now, listen, with that being said, um, I will tell you how we fumbled through it. And the first thing I will tell you, if you are if you have a child expecting a child, or you want a child or maybe you're in the middle of an infant and raising you're going to get advice from everybody on the planet and what you should do. And they're going to nod and smile and tell you, this is what works. Now you do this. This is what worked for your brother, your brother, Harold. This is what worked for him. You know, we raised little Jimmy and this is what worked. All right. You know, I will tell you that in family, whether you already have children um, up to 12 years old or whether you think you want children, I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to get advice from every person who has a mouth. They're going to tell you. They're going to bring you books. They're going to give you YouTube links. All right, listen to them. Smile and nod. Read the book. Watch the video. I don't care if you fill your head with all sorts of information. Yeah, go ahead. Do it. Receive all of it in and say, thank you. I'll take it into consideration. Oh, you're going to make people upset with that answer because they're going to look at you and say, what do you mean you're going to take it into consideration? You're, you're not just going to blindly follow what I'm telling you. I'm more experienced. Look how wonderful my children are. It's going to be tough, but you need to set a tone. Say, thank you for the input. Thank you. I, I'm really interested. In, I have lots of things I'm listening to right now. That'll set the tone for them not being so willing to force their impose, let's say, uh, their will upon you, their, their, their ideas. They already know you've set the tone, you're taking in the information, and you'll get back to them later. Good. Moving on, <laughs> so to speak, moving on. So you're going to have tons of information, and you're not going to want all of it. Some of it's going to be silly. Some of it's going to be great. But the thing I'm going to tell you, and now I've raised this last group of eight with Gen X mom, my lovely wife, and I will tell you that uh, during foster care, bonus kids, and family members, uh, I've raised 32 children. And I have not done a perfect job with all of them. There's things I would definitely go back and change. However, I am going to tell you some things that made sense. And the first one is take all the information in from any source you choose, be grateful and be thankful, pay attention, and then make your own choice. You cannot please everybody, and for the first three years, everyone who has gone before you is going to tell you, well, you should have done this, and you should try that, and you this wouldn't have happened if you'd have listened to me. You'll drive yourself crazy trying to figure it out. And all these geniuses are going to say, well, I had my mother-in-law tell me this, but I did it my way. I, I curtailed things my way, and it worked out great. I'm giving it to you. Well, guess what? Her mother curtailed it her way. That person curtailed it their way. You're going to curtail it your way. You're going to trim the information you get. You're going to try new things. You're going to fail and people will point it out when you do. Oh, they'll be right there with the biggest I told you so's ever. But step one, like we said, take in all the information. Step two, do it your way. Okay? Pull out a reasonable course of action. Now, let's, let's go back for a moment to all kids are different. 
You can't blanket policy all of them. No, no, you can't. But there's certain things that have to be in place. Let's say you're planning on having four kids or five kids, or you have them already. There's certain things that absolutely have to be constant and structure and order. And I'm giving you some examples. Uh, we all eat dinner at the same time together without our cell phones. There's one. Everyone has a specific bedtime. A little different if the kids are uh, far apart in age, of course. But there's structure. You will go to bed. You will shower once a day. You will uh, pick up your room and make your bed. There are certain things you can say blanket policy goes for every child. But those aren't specifics. Those are um, they're the broad strokes of your house. Whatever your rules are, you come up with those, and they are structure and order and discipline, and kids, oh, they rely on that. They thrive in those environments. Everybody who's out there hugging all their children and saying, it's okay, you did fine. Um, you know, uh, you probably shouldn't have um, lit the cat on fire. That You know, we, we probably could have thought of another way to go. No, no, no. You have things you do and don't do in your house. If they want to have their individual characteristics about what's right and wrong in their own morals, they can do that when they get older. You have a structure. You have order in your house. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, unless you've raised more individuals than me, I promise you, being consistent is golden. Having structure and order is golden. Those are the broad strokes, okay? So you, number one, you listen to everybody. Number two, make it your own, all right? Number three, whatever broad strokes you've got, make sure that you and your wife, you, your mother and father, you decide those for your family, for your house, your rules, and you do them, all right? It's simple. Number four, now we get down to the individual parts, okay? Uh, the individual and what I mean by individual is you can't raise every child perfectly individually with their own set of rules and bedtimes and what they can eat and not eat and when they have to participate in the family and when they don't. No, no, no. Those things fall under the broad strokes of whatever rules you want, whatever family rules and household, whatever, whatever confines them to being part of your family. Yeah, those are the broad strokes. The little ones, the little strokes, the curtailing as you as you see it on each child is their own taste and individualities on a minute scale. Um, not every one of my eight children was going to play the flute. I couldn't say, all right, you're all playing t-ball, sign up. No. Now is where you start learning the strengths and the weaknesses and the interests of each child. Okay. Now is when you start learning some of that stuff and you start catering where they go and what they do um, and who they're around and what influences them from eight years old to 13 and 14 um, as you pay attention to each child. Um, I'll give you an example. One of my older sons, he was almost a straight A student. Uh, he would he could skateboard out till midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, come home, get up on time, go to school, do his chores, do his homework. I granted him an enormous amount of freedom. He earned it. Now, the other kids would look and they're like, hey, how come I don't get that? Well, because uh, he's a wonderful individual to be around. He never argues with me. He never fights with me. He gets really good grades. He respects and loves his mother and he tries with his chores. And he helps all of you with your chores, and he helps all of you with your homework. You're not anything like that. 
Your rewards come by what you do. It helped because, number one, that was what that son needed to grow. Oh, he loved it. The, the things he was earning made him try harder. He loved it. And, it. and it snowballed in a good direction. He was just, he was completely loving towards the family. And the more that people appreciated him, the harder he tried around the house. And it worked great in two ways. One, it really helped him grow and learn who he was before he moved out. But it also showed the other kids, this is what you get when you behave. When you, when you give us what we're looking for as part of the family, we'd like some good grades. We'd like you to do well in your chores. We'd like you to love and respect everybody. We will bestow upon you, you know, some privileges. Now, that was one individual that would not work for my nine-year-old daughter. That wouldn't work for any of my 13-year-old daughters. They were not going to be out doing that stuff. But they knew, they knew because of the overall structure of the family, they knew the broad strokes, what was expected, and then they knew if individually they really worked on improving themselves that we were behind them 100%. You cannot, and this is, this is dumb to say it out loud, but there's sometimes it helps just to hear it, you cannot blanket policy eight children, here's all the rules, you're all going to play the cello, and you're all going to play soccer, and Friday night we're all going to watch Jeopardy for half an hour. You can't do that from age 2 till 18. It doesn't fit. But you can't be so individual thinking with your children that, okay, at 7.30 we're going to watch this cartoon because this child likes it. At 9.30 we're going to watch this movie because that child likes it. Now, everybody come over here. Nobody has corn because this guy doesn't like corn, but you like lima beans and this kid you know, likes sausage. You can't do that. There's some broad strokes. One of the broad strokes with us was I told everybody, I said, I worked all day for the money to buy this food. Your mother took time to prepare a big dinner for all 10 of us. You're eating it. I don't care what you like and what you don't like. You're going to be thankful and grateful for what's on your plate, and you're eating it. And, you know, I had one son who couldn't eat corn, and he choked and gagged and was having a reaction to it like he was dying. He wasn't. And I had another kid who didn't like lima beans, another one who didn't like apple juice. I didn't care. Now, in your family, if you want to cater things, and it's just horrible that you made them eat those things. It's, it's what a terrible parent that you made them eat and drink those things. When they told you they didn't, you could have got them water. You could have got them something else. Sure, I could have prepared a whole other meal for them. We could have had nine of us eating one set of food and then the 10th one eating something totally different. You could that wasn't me and that wasn't my house. I told them, you're going to eat that. Why do I have to eat it? Because sometimes in life you have to do the things you don't want to do. Did you hear me? That was the beginning, the earliest stages of me telling them, guess what? Sometimes in life you just have to do the things you don't want to do. So you might as well learn it now. No, there was many of those lessons. Yeah, tons. But I want to tell you, that was the beginning. Oh, they'd all look at mom like, can you believe what dad's doing? And she'd just look away going, nope, dad has spoken. Don't get me involved. She backed me up on that. Now, let me go back to the beginning. When I told you, I told you very clearly, husband and wife, mother and father, figure out what the broad, broad strokes are going to be for your family. 
Figure it out. Why? Because you have to back each other up. You have to stick to it. You can't go behind the other one's back and say, don't worry about having lima beans. Your father's late coming home from work. I'll just give you some Oreos instead of lima beans. Here, let me put these Oreos on your plate. No, you can't do that. And I know parents that act that way. Now, I know Oreos is an extreme example, but they do. They cater more than they should. Now, that's just for my family. You do whatever you want, but you have to develop some structure and order and discipline. That is the framework that all the children thrive in. Then you can cater an individual whatever you want. I chose meals was something I was not going to tolerate. I chose a course of action over those 20 years that I wanted to teach children. Sometimes you got to do what you don't like. Do it anyway. Now, I carried that lesson over while we're on the topic to high school. Oh, I've heard every story in high school. This is meaningless. When am I ever going to use geometry in the real world? Why do I have to know history? It already happened. I guarantee any stupid thing your child is going to come up with to say to you, I've heard it. Hell, I probably said it when I was a kid, but I definitely heard it raising all those children. And I told them, I said, listen, I'm not going to go on and on about the merits of high school and a diploma. Some people get A's and B's because school is easy. Some people get D's and F's because school is hard. But the one thing I want to point out uh, is, is what people look at, employers, colleges. There's, there's something that's changed over the years on what they look at for your high school accomplishments. Now, pay attention. This isn't rocket science. It's pretty easy, actually. Um, you may not like parts of high school your brothers and sisters may not like parts of high school. But that diploma, when you graduate on stage, you hold that up and you say, look here, look at me. See this? This diploma represents four years of me doing stuff I did not want to do. I didn't want to be here in school. I thought it was a waste of time. I didn't like algebra. I didn't want to go to PE. Whatever it is, whatever your child says they hate, Whatever they don't like about high school, yeah? Well, sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do. And a diploma says for, to a lot of people about a lot of kids, wow, you stuck it out. Now, if you come up and you're a valedictorian and you got a 4.2 grade point average through all of high school, all right, that's brilliant. That's exceptional. That is impressive. But chances are you're a pretty good student. Chances are, you know, schoolwork came easy to you. You liked it. So I, I still think that's an amazing accomplishment. I would never take that away from anybody. That's huge. But at the same time, you know, that's probably not going to happen to a kid who doesn't even want to get up in the morning and get dressed for school. For him to be a valedictorian, that's a huge accomplishment. That's, that's monumental. All right, just trying to keep things in perspective. So with all of my children... Um, no matter what grades they got, I reminded them, I pointed out to them, I was very complimentary to them, you're going to graduate high school and you're going to show everybody that you have the ability to do the assignments, to take the test, to study, to be part of the high school, even when you didn't want to. It's going to say a lot to everybody that you were able to do the things you don't want to do. And guess where that started for me? Guess where that started for my children? That started back with corn and lima beans when they were seven. I know you don't like dumping the trash. Sometimes you just have to learn to do things you don't like, dump the trash. 
Well, I don't want to pull weeds. And I know. It was what we chose as part of the framework of the family, a lesson we were teaching since the beginning, and we didn't waver from it. We just kept going. Now, along the way, we catered. We didn't just give um, chores that one child hated. We didn't pile on uh, and say, here's your seven chores, and they're all ones you hate. Go learn to do the things you don't want to do. No. This is where you take the framework of that lesson you're trying to teach, and you, you curtail it. What did we say? Okay, let's say we gave them five chores. Four of them were something they could do and they didn't mind. We knew that one of them was something they'd rather not do. I know families that only give them chores that they enjoy. Well, there's no, they're still accomplishing stuff. They're still part of the family. They're still doing chores. They're doing what we want them to do. But we're not pushing them. We're not making them uncomfortable. All right, don't. Wait till they get into college. Wait till they get into a job. And they very clearly walk up to their boss or their teacher, their professor, and go, hey, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know me, but uh, this is not how my life works. I don't, I'll do these assignments over here, but I'm not comfortable with those. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I know what you're thinking, and I swore not we wouldn't get into politics, so I'm not. I'm not. But I know what you're thinking. The same way I was for a while. You tell these kids the world is going to chew you up and spit you out. The world is not going to bend around you. You are not going to be able to run into human resources and complain and get your way. And then it happened. It happened. All of a sudden, the world was changing into exactly what these kids wanted. They didn't have to do certain things. They didn't have to look a certain way to have a job or, or conduct themselves a certain way. The world was bending around them. But what have I always told you guys, especially in the last year? The pendulum is swinging back the other way. And here's an example. There are people, have been people at Netflix working there. And customers complaining to Netflix, we don't like your programming. We think it's offensive. We think it's this and that. People that work in the building by the hundreds and hundreds writing internal emails. I don't like this. I shouldn't have to work on this project. These people are this. These people are that. You know what Netflix finally just did? Just came out the other day. They wrote a long memo to every single employee, and it basically said, we do this type of programming, we're in the business of entertainment, we're trying to reach every audience, we're not intentionally going out of our way to offend people, but that happens from time to time. And if you feel, as an employee here at Netflix, that you don't like working on a particular project, that you don't like working with a particular person, maybe Netflix isn't the place for you to be. Wow. Wow. The pendulum swinging back the other way to exactly where I was training my children. You need to go and try to fit into the world in the right way for you, the best way you can for you. Sometimes you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. You're going to have to go along to get along. And I'm not talking about racism and segregation. I'm not talking about slavery and all the, all the terms you're going to throw out there. Oh, you're going to be right there. Oh, he's talking about. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. 
all that stupid stuff that is at the front of your mind. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about the workforce. I'm talking about the blue collar. I'm talking about learning how to do things you don't want to do to fit into an organization and a structure the same way we raised our children. Yeah, with structure and discipline and consistency so they would be ready to fit into a place that had structure, discipline, and consistency. I don't care if you're playing for a professional baseball team or you're working at Netflix. Sometimes you're going to have to do things you don't want to do and if you don't like it, move on. Yeah. Well, where did they learn that lessons? Those lessons. I'm sorry. Where did they learn those lessons? At home. What are you teaching your kids so they can use it when they grow up? That's what this is all about, isn't it? Isn't that what we're all doing? We're all talking about um, listening and taking in all the information we can, step one. Step two, formulating the broad strokes of your family, your house. Step three, curtailing it to each individual kid for their strengths and weaknesses so you can make them better. Step four, making sure they understand that sometimes they have to do things they don't want to do, whether it's eating lima beans and pulling weeds or whether it's doing the hard jobs at their work that they don't want to do. They all have to learn that at some point. Every single one of them does. You're going to teach it to them now or you're going to let them learn the hard way later. That's all we're trying to do. And what did I tell you in the very beginning? I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm not telling you how to raise your kids. I'm telling you there should be a framework. I'm telling you there should be some curtailing to individuality. I'm telling you that there's some lessons they should have already under their belt by the time they're 18, or I promise you people are going to look at your kid and go, hey, under their breath, behind your back, yeah, that's the idiot kid. Their parents, their parents just coddled them and didn't. Yeah, that's the idiot kid. He's never going to make it in the world. That's how people will talk about your kid because of you. So whatever rules you want, whatever curtailing you want, whatever lessons you want, make sure they happen. You figure out the lessons and, and, then, and then make sure the kid gets there. And once they achieve that one, then move on to the next one. But you're never going to find a book, a relative, or a person that is going to have absolutely perfect advice every time. Even everything I've told you in here, take it with a grain of salt. Use it when you think you should. I'm just discussing with you having a plan, your own plan for your own family, your own kids. And guess what? You know the one thing that always makes everybody upset that you're allowed to do? The one thing that pisses everybody off that you're allowed to say, you ready? Hey, it's my family. It's my household. It's my child. Okay? Thank you for your input, but my husband and I, or my wife and I, we're doing it our way. That's it. Listen, I'm going to go. I know this was a short one, 30 minutes, little intro, little, uh, little commercial here and there. But I want to go. I got to go. I got to get out of here. I got stuff I got to do. I got kids that I got to go boss around and ruin their lives. That's, that's my second part of my job is to make sure I ruin my children's lives. And if you don't think that's a parent's job, just ask the children. They'll tell you. <laughs> that's what they're doing. Okay, no, no, no. Music's coming up. I seriously got to go. Um, but thanks for hanging out for a little bit. Thanks for stopping by. And from everyone here at Gen X Talks, I promise you one thing. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye.